everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Oh, hey, Todd. Dr. Wicknall, fancy meeting you here. Mm-hmm. Once again. Once again. How are you? Good. Doing good. Good. You ready for a, a, a topic? I hope it's a zinger. It was a good conversation I had with a client. Um, so it's a thought pro- process and pattern okay. where they will just kind of pick at everything in their lives. Um, and in their free time, this person will kind of just ruminate, you know, driving mm-hmm. in a car, they'll find themselves just thinking about how they're not happy with this part of their life. They're not happy with their relationship. They hate yeah, their sure. job. They, they just kind of, um, and even if they do have things that they like, they'll quickly turn their attention to things they don't like about that mm-hmm. thing. So let's say this person buys a new car. It, it wouldn't be too long before they'd start saying, oh, my car doesn't have four wheel drive and it doesn't have this and it's gotcha. this color and it's not that color. And there's just a tendency for some real critical things. So they've been trying to be very aware of that and um, start changing that, that pattern of thought. Um, and the other day they were just were lamenting on how often this occurs for them and, and how difficult it is to change this. And we got into a conversation where the question was, why is it that some changes are so hard to make? And why is it that some goals are so hard to reach, mm-hmm. you know, and some are easier and some are, are not. And, um, it was a really good discussion, but what are your thoughts? Why are some goals, um, or behavior changes harder to make than others? I have so many thoughts on this. Yeah, Let's yeah. Maybe okay. So I'll, I'll give you one, and we'll, maybe we'll kind of go back and forth on on this. Perfect. So I think one kind of not super obvious, you call it psychological reason for this, is that, that we have some behavior that we tend to think of as really bad, right? Like, oh, I ruminate about stuff all the time, and it just makes me feel miserable, you know. Or I, whatever, I I watch TV instead of working out at the gym. You know, I know I should work out at the gym; it'd be good for me, but I just can't. Like, I just seem to always fall back into you know just being lazy and watching TV instead or something like that. So I think one of the reasons this happens so much and why it's so hard to break is because even though it's doing something, it's causing a lot of negatives in our life, it may also be doing something for us on some level. It may, we might be getting something out of it. And so it's not Not making that change. It's also kind of giving you something. Yep. Totally. So for instance, um, ruminating, right? classic example of a behavior that leads to a lot of, you know, like anger, frustration, disappointment, whatever, a lot of not great feelings. But what it could be doing for you is giving you a sense of control in your life, right? So I feel in a lot of areas of my life, I feel kind of helpless or out of control or just like things are kind of, yeah, not in my control. But by engaging in like analyzing past situations and replaying things in my mind and trying to figure out why, blah, blah, it has the, the temporary effect of making it feel like I can do something productive, mm-hmm. right? So in order to get rid of that behavior, you, you, may, you may either need to learn to tolerate your lack of control better or find another outlet for feeling more in control. Because if you don't, and this is the only thing that lets you feel more in control, this behavior is going to be a lot more valuable to you than you realize. Not, I'm not saying valuable in the sense that it's actually good for you, but valuable in the sense that you feel like you need to do it. You're attached if you, to if it. you don't yeah. understand that, that it's actually doing something for you, you're going to do all sorts of stuff. And you might 
be successful for a little while, but you're going to fall back to it unless you understand that core need that it's fulfilling. And, and again, either and find a healthier way to deal with that. So, would, so you'd recommend kind of looking at uh, possible uh, benefits of your avoidance or, or, or of your kind of um, not addressing that thing and, exactly. and, like, what and do you take get account of those. Yeah. Yep. And, and once you've identified those, then what? Let's say you're like, oh, you know what? I, you know, it does give me a pause in the evening to kind of just relax. And I don't have that very much throughout the day. It's kind of nice to do that. What, what then? Let's say, you, well, yeah, so it, it, it depends, right? It depends on what it is specifically. So maybe the issue is like, if it is kind of a control thing, like mm-hmm. it, it's about making you feel more in control. Mm-hmm. Well, like you might want to look at it, like, why is it that you feel so out of control mm-hmm. most of the time, right? Why do you, mm-hmm. let's say you feel really helpless in your job. Well, maybe, maybe that's, maybe what you need to do is be more tolerant of feeling mm-hmm. helpless. Like we all feel kind of helpless. Maybe it's so that maybe there's a mindset issue yeah. that like, I should feel in control all the time. And like, that's just kind of unrealistic. But or, the idea is that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Or no, like you literally are in a crappy job where you have zero control over everything. And maybe the really difficult thing is you need to confront that and ask yourself, like, even though it would be hard, should I consider a career change? Because this is such a big negative in my life. And so rumination is a way of like distracting yourself from that bigger decision that's really at the root of things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is always the case. Sometimes rumination is just a habit. You just get into it and it doesn't have some sort of deeper underlying sort of root cause or, or, or function that it's fulfilling. But this does happen a lot. And so I think it's worth looking at that. If you've been trying to change some behavior mm-hmm. that you know is bad or not helpful to you and you, it's, it's continually hard that could be wise because you're getting something out of it. Yeah. Well, and that's just good advice. So you're, and then once you know what you're getting out of it, maybe there are other solutions and other things. That other ways to get that need met. To Yeah. To get that need met or to address that thing or to, to, to look at that issue. Yep. That's a good one. All right. What do you, you got? Know, one of, <laughs> one of mine, um, it, it, it does kind of come from that conversation I had with my client where um, to really point out to clients sometimes these things are difficult because they do happen a lot, right? There's, there's this real repetitive nature to the way we think sometimes. And, and to speak to my client's concern, you know, I mean, he noticed he was doing it constantly, just all day long. And so then when he was surprised, it's like so hard to change. And I had to remind him, well, this is something that happens quite frequently a lot. And so to, to, to really get good at kind of identifying that's going to take some time, right? Because you're not always aware of when it's happening because it just happens so often, right? Um, and then it's, it's just difficult to change a habit that happens all the time. Think about it. If, if I asked you to change one of your habits that only happens once a month or twice a month, you could go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be ready for that. I know when it happens, it's predictable. I, I've got time to plan. It's easier to change a sure. habit that happens less frequently. But when it happens really frequently, it's hard to change that habit. So I, I, I have a lot of empathy and try to remind clients, give yourself some space to practice here because it's just hard to change something that happens almost by default and all the time. Yeah, and I love that idea too of kind of validating how hard it is. I think a lot of people's struggles to change are way harder than they need to be because they are subtly really self-critical of themselves for struggling. And most like, of our clients, I dude, think, are, listen, are just like, brutal to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Man, feeling bad is hard enough without 
feeling like a total turd for feeling bad, <laughs> right? Like that's right, right. why compound that um, right. and make it harder than it needs to be. So I think that's, that's key is being validating and having a little self-compassion for yourself um, with a struggle like this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to, I have a, I have a weird thing in my head where I, I like to um, pursue little goals and make little changes here and there where I can. And I know how often I fail and, and how difficult that is to make good changes for yourself, you know? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm somewhat dismayed sometimes when people are like, man, this should be easy. I'm like, are you kidding? This is so hard yeah. to, and I have a lot of respect for clients who are trying to make changes. Cause it's like, man, that is tough. That is not easy to do. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So I got another one. Um, I call it environmental friction. I, I think there's a bias that people have when it comes to making change, which is assuming it's all about internal factors. Like I don't have willpower or I need to be more compassionate with myself, mindset, limiting beliefs, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And all that stuff is super important, like no doubt about it. But I think we underestimate how important environmental factors are in maintaining habits and trying to change them. So uh, like the kind of classic example of this is, let's say you want to start eating a more healthy diet, right? Well, the, the amount and type of food you have in your house is going to be profoundly impactful in terms of your behavior of whether you choose to eat well or not. So if your house is stuffed full of like junk food and snacks and ice cream and candy, like it's going to be really, you're going to be constantly battling with that temptation. And frankly, like you're just going to lose a lot. Like, I don't care how much willpower you have. If your environment is pulling that hard in the opposite direction of your goals, like you were going to lose a high percentage of those battles. And so the idea is instead of trying to change something internal, like, Oh, I got to have more self-discipline or willpower or something like that, change your environment. <laughs> you know, like it's going to be a lot easier to resist temptation at the grocery store, right. Than it is like when it's late at night and you know, there's that bag of Doritos in the, you know, in the shelf for that <laughs> right, right. bowl of ice cream, you can get really quick or whatever. So yeah, change your, try, you know, <laughs> If you're having trouble changing yourself, think about changing your environment to make it more conducive to changing yourself. Yeah. If and, there and, are things about your environment that you have control over, that's a good option sometimes to give yourself some, some, uh, some, some momentum or some benefit. Yeah. Some advantage. And, and I would say that you got to think creatively about this. There are a lot of situations where there isn't an obvious way where you could change your environment, but if you give it a little more thought, you can usually find some way to at least influence your environment. So a simple example of this that I, I realized years ago was when, when it comes to working out, like I think is a goal a lot of people have, right? Just go to the gym more and work out more and be healthier. One thing I really learned about myself was that my odds of going to the gym and working out are way higher if the gym is not busy. So for a long time, I would try to go to the gym at like normal times when people go to the gym. And it's busy. It's like rush hour. So it's hard to get over there. It takes a long time. You get there, like the machine you want to use is like occupied and you can't get on the treadmill that you want. And like, and there's just lots of obnoxious, sweaty people around you. And <laughs> this is me, obviously my <laughs> preferences. Like, for gym. And, and so I, I just like would not go to the gym a lot. And I, mm -hmm. but I hadn't really put it together that that was a major point of friction. Right. Mm -hmm, but then mm -hmm. it occurred to me like, huh, what if I sort of set up my schedule so that I deliberately designed to go into the gym at times I knew it wasn't going to be very crowded. Mm -hmm. And like, lo and behold, my success rate went up dramatically. Okay. Like that. So I, there's an example too, of like, 
you're not literally changing. You're not changing the gym, right? But you are, you're modifying the conditions under which this new behavior that you want to undertake happens. So I think if you can be creative about this, about influencing your environment to be more conducive to your goals, I think that's a real skill for long-term habit change. Yeah. Especially when you can. And I think that's the important thing. When you do have that kind of control, there's nothing wrong with, um, um, helping yourself to, to make a change by kind of clearly pointing out like what, what you did, which is like, Hey, I tend to not like this part of this process very much. Yeah. And if I could avoid that part of the process, I'd probably go more often. And I do, you know, so, uh, good for, good for you. That's, that's not a, a bad point. I, I think the same thing that certain contexts where some people are just tougher than others and, and, and realizing that and taking appreciation and looking at what you can do around that is a good idea. And, and then, really acknowledging the environmental kind of um, friction or um, disruption that that causes you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good information to have. Yeah. Plan or, or I would say facilitation, right? It's not just about removing environmental barriers. You could even add environmental factors that, that help Make it more you. likely. Yeah. 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 So like if you're a, if you're a really social person, right? I'm not, I hate working out with other people, but a lot of people love working out with like a workout yeah. buddy or someone else. Yeah. Right. So yeah. set up a system where you and a buddy like meet at the gym and like work yeah. out together, that will increase your motivation and make it more likely that this habit change becomes, um, substantial, right. And, and kind of robust in the long term. Yeah. And, and, and taking the, the moment to be a little introspective and curious about your experience of this, um, frustrating kind of, um, goal was, was essential. It, it was because mm -hmm. it, it had, you just started saying, well, I'm just an idiot. I'm just stupid. I'm lazy. Then you never discover like, no, it's this thing about me where I just really don't like this part of the process, but I do like going to the gym, you know? And, um, that kind of knowledge only comes from that non-judgmental kind of observation. I think that. Is really yeah. Important. And that, that, uh, what I would call a mechanical take on habit change. Like we get so moralistic about habit change. Like it's yeah. all about like, I just need to be more disciplined. Like I need a more, yeah, more disciplined person yeah. or like, I'm so lazy, blah, blah, blah. We get moralistic what? about everything. Don't Dude, we? so much. We love to think that we're like post, you know, post morality, post yeah. religion, post all like, yeah. people are so, people are just judgy regardless, whether you're, <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's like the inquisition in the 14th century or whatever, or like modern day, people are super judgy, yeah. especially with themselves. Even if you're like somehow a reflection of your morality and your, your virtues, yeah, you're worthwhile yeah. as a person. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's so unhelpful. I mean, it's kind of dumb, oh. but it's also just really unhelpful and like learning. Well, you can, to see, you can that. see that there's a use for that. I think that, that, that again, it's that thought process that starts for one reason and then has this other kind of toxic effect sometimes where does it really do all of our behaviors need to be measured against some virtue morality kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, if you, maybe if you're like a judge or like a jury member, like, yes, you need to be kind of moralistic in that context, but like yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so few situations where it's really more helpful if you're super moralistic about something and it, as opposed to just being kind of mechanical right, right. about like, right. what I can't, I would like to do this thing. I'm not doing it consistently. What might yeah. be getting in the way? What types of things uh -huh. might actually make this easier for me? Right. Yeah. There's nothing moral or like good yeah. or bad. Yeah. Like, when you're know. struggling with the behavior change, um, and that you'd like to make being moralistic with yourself is probably a bad idea. 
so yeah, counterproductive. Definitely stay more problem problem solving. You, the moral, the cool thing is that the moral or the emotion of it all can can kind of alert you to some things like your frustration and going to the gym when when it's 5 30 and you go Ugh, that's good info Ugh, i don't like that yeah you know that but that's all the info means i don't like that then well, you take that information and it, it had you changed Ugh, i don't like that too this means i'm a loser <laughs> it's like wait that's not the information the info there is you just don't like this part of the process Right. Go from there. (laughs) And the language matters. Like I, I try to not even use the term good or bad when it comes to emotions. Like me feeling frustrated is I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Right. It's kind of icky, like whatever. It's not, it's not, it's not not good or bad. It might be useful or not useful for me to, you know, start criticizing myself, (laughs) right. Or feeling frustrated, but yeah, yeah, that, that, but that feeling you can interpret it as like, huh, what's this trying to tell me? Like, maybe there's a, a more creative way to think about this, but getting out of this kind of like a meta habit, maybe we're, we're encouraging people to, to change, but the, the habit of judgment is just so, maybe there's a small slice of life where it's really useful and important, but the vast majority of time it's totally unhelpful and you just need yeah. to rip that out. But but you do see this. I, I had someone talk telling me how um, frustrating this experience was with this demented, uh, sorry, their their parent who has dementia, um, and um, you know they're they're explaining how frustrating it is this certain situation. And I was just like, my goodness, that would be so frustrating. Mm. You know, in my head, I'm going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'd deal with that. Yeah. And then they stopped and they were like. I just shouldn't be so frustrated. You know, I, I just feel so guilty when I get like this. And I'm like, you feel guilty because you get frustrated. Like that's like interesting reaction. Layers of irony here. Like you're upset with getting guilty about being frustrated, but then you're telling yourself you shouldn't feel frustrated. And like, what emotion do you think is going to come from that? Guilt. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. When you criticize yourself and get judgy with yourself. Like you're going to feel guilty, but you see this when people try to make a behavior change, they'll say, you know, I'd like to do this. And then they get frustrated or maybe they struggle with it and they, they don't, they don't hit a home run the first time they try to change that behavior and, and, and they get swept and sucked up into that frustration. And so judgy about themselves because they failed that there's not any real learning about like, Oh, you know, when I walked in the gym and it was packed, I kind of had this visceral, like, Ugh. And that's all the information I needed. You know, all I do, all I need to do now is plan a different attack route, which is what you did so well. Good job. Gold star, Nick. Oh, for thanks, your, Todd. Yeah. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.